Hello, everybody. I hope everybody is well. We have a great podcast for you. We're going to talk with our guests, Officer Matt Santerre and Officer Zach Johnson. They're both two of our newer officers, and we just get their perspective on how they found LPD and why they chose LPD and also the training they went through, their experiences. So great podcast. I enjoyed talking to them, and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, we're ready to do this? Yeah. All right, so good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. Officer Matt Santerre, Officer Zachary. It's Zachary, right? Johnson. Or is it Zach? All right, so Zach, Matt, thanks for being here. Good morning, everybody else. Alan, Tom, Patty, LT. Hello. Good morning. So I think uh, I'm pretty excited about this podcast. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to hear your guys' take on – being a police officer, you know, how your views have changed, what you think about LPD, what you think about policing. So I would really appreciate you being here. Uh, so we'll start off with just telling us a little bit about your guys's, who you are and where you come from. We'll start with, wait, which one has seniority? Actually would be, yeah. Matt? Matt 437, 439. All right, 437. Let's hear it. January and then June, right? So just so you know, Santer is uh, badge number 437, and then Johnson, you're 439? Yep. Okay. All right. So go ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Matt. I'm originally from the Atlanta area, but I've been up here for two decades. I graduated from Westside, so that's kind of where I hail from. My family worked at Purdue. That sort of thing. So I grew up in this community. Right on. Red Devil? Yep. Okay. River Rat. Yeah? Yeah. All right. And your parents, so your parents, I know your dad was a professor at Purdue, right? Yes. He's still technically associated with Purdue, but he's uh, in D.C. working for the White House for a little while. So So what about law enforcement? Anybody in your family in law enforcement? uh, Or did you just watch too many movies like me? Right. (laughs) Just... Yeah. Yeah. My paternal grandfather was in the Navy, but that's about that's about it as far as service oriented. Okay. Uh, college, military? Uh, no military for me. Did college. So where at? Uh, in the area. So Purdue and Ivy Tech. So okay. What did you end up? Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what did you end up getting your degree in? The criminal justice, uh, law, and society track. So. And so, why a police officer? Well, I I went into so I'm a little bit older than some of the folks they hire. I'm 31 currently. I was 29 when I was hired. So, um, and I was one of your FTOs. Was that your first FTO? You were your phase one. Best FTO. We'll just throw that out there. FTO, field training officer. Thank you, Patty. You're yes, welcome. she's uh, always catching the acronyms, right? Um, so. Yeah, you were my phase one FTO. It was very memorable. Uh, it was a great welcome to the team. <laughs> well, thank uh, you. So uh, it's always it's always fun to come to work uh, for you, with you. So, um, but yeah, so I I went into sort of the private sector like uh, loss prevention. I had a couple uh, for a local retailer. Had a couple stores in the area, and it was always something I was attracted to. And that particular career path put me in contact with individuals that worked at LPD frequently and so I would talk to them and um, several of them encouraged me to apply uh, to LPD and so I was getting close to turning 30 and so I was like well it's something I've always wanted to do I'll throw my name in the ring and or in the hat and just see see how it 
filters out. And so I was fortunate enough to be selected. And I'm very happy where I'm at. So cool, cool. We'll get we'll dig deeper. What about you, Zach? Uh, so I'm originally from Vinton County, so I went there. Um, my parents uh, worked blue collar jobs. My mom was a nurse. My dad was a mechanic. Um, <clears throat> after high school, I went to Southern Indiana. Uh, that's where I got my bachelor's degree. Uh, while I was there, uh, you know, I knew I always wanted to be a police officer, so I just applied to a bunch of different agencies, you know, mostly big metro agencies. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get hired uh, by Louisville. Um, so, like, two weeks after I graduated, uh, I started the police academy down there, um, and then I came back up here. How many places do you think you applied? Uh, I don't know. I was just throwing them out there. But, really? I mean, once I started getting farther into uh, the processes and, then I, you know, quit applying just a bunch of places. Mm-hmm. So is anybody in your family from law enforcement, I mean, from a law enforcement background? Uh, or? No, and I, I didn't really know anybody when I was younger who was a police officer, uh, except for one door down from me was the sheriff of our county, so he lived there. Okay. All right. College, you said college, where'd you go? Uh, I went to southern Indiana in Evansville. What did you study there? Uh, criminal justice. Okay. It's obviously a very popular major in our our field. Do um, And why did you want to be a police officer? Why did you want to become? Probably watch too many movies. Right on. No. That's fair. <laughs> no, it's something I always wanted to do. I always, uh, Ernie Winchester was my old neighbor, and he was uh, sheriff of Benton County for like 16 years, and it's something I just always wanted to do, always looked up to people like that. Okay. All right. Awesome. Do you have any questions for them? No, you're thinking, Patty. Well, I I wondered, Zach, did, how long did you work for Louisville? Uh, I was there for a couple of years. Long enough to get the accent. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> also well, from Benton County too. So, <laughs> I um, you know, maybe this might be a time to to wonder why you left Louisville and came back. Was it just for family in the area, or was Louisville just too big for you to uh, really feel like you belonged? No, I I actually like the size, and I like the department. Uh, it's a really fun department to work for. Um, so I had like a year and a half on, and I saw uh, Lafayette was uh, accepting applications, and I looked at you know their pay scale and their retirement. And after you're already a police officer, you really can understand like the retirement benefits and the salary and everything instead of just being like, oh, I want to be a police officer now. Um, so I decided, you know, that's the department I want to work for. It's the right size. It, you know, it has all the all the things that like a large metro agency has, you know, a SWAT team, like a gang unit, you know, DTF, uh, community outreach, you know, crime scene techs and everything like that. Uh, so I figured it was a great opportunity to come back and I was, I'd be able to be closer to uh, my friends and family. Sounds like a win-win. Yeah. And if people don't know, we're an agency of 150 officers and we're actually a larger agency Obviously, a metro place like Louisville. How many how many officers were there? I think about twelve or thirteen hundred. Twelve or thirteen hundred. Okay. So, uh, oddly enough, even though we're at one hundred and fifty, we're kind of like in the middle, right? It, it seems like they're either in the thousands. Yeah. You're either in like one hundred and fifty, or you got seven. Yeah, I, I would put us right there in the middle. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. That. Uh, so, obviously, you heard about LPD because you were from Benton County, right? Yep. Now, did you look at other agencies before you came here? Or? No, so this was the only agency I uh, applied for when I was a uh, police officer down in Louisville, and this was the only one I wanted, too. Um, I got a couple buddies who are state troopers who they said if you're going to try to get back home or something, you know, LPD would be the agency to work for, uh, you know, because it's a, it's a bigger city, you know, fast-paced environment and everything like that and has, you know, all the specialties you'd want. So that the specialties, the pay, 
all that was what was appealing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's cool. What about you, Matt? Similarly, I, I did an internship probably in 2011, um, and I really liked the way that this was the only department that I applied to uh, when, I was, when I made the decision to uh, put my hat in or put my name in the hat. And I just really liked the sort of the goals the, um, of the administration and LPD, so the progressive ideas of like community engagement, doing, doing things like this, uh, doing talks. Um, the embrace of technology that this department does and sort of new ideas towards policing, I'm really attracted to that. And so that was uh, a major decider for me. So around here, well, first off, the internship, was, it, was that something good to go through? I mean, were you able to really get a good experience Absolutely. Or, you know, a uh, knowledge base of what we do and how we operate? Sure. I, I encourage anybody, especially uh, college-age folks, that are um, interested to try to get an internship here. It did a number of things. I was introduced to some of the, like Sergeant Ustrebski was in charge of it back when, when I was going through it. And uh, part of the internship was writing with some of the guys. And so a couple of them actually remembered me from the internship um, program that I'd been with when I was going through the application process. And of course they knew me from uh, my previous job too. So um, during the application, there were a couple guys that I was in uh, like text contact with, you know, they would kind of guide me through the process. And so just having those contacts and, you know, Hey, this is, this is kind of a little bit about what to expect during the, um, you know, like the merit board or even before that, the captain's board, these are, um, so just having those contacts uh, was a major part, but just it was an introduction to the different parts of the agency. So most of the interns go through, they'll go spend a few days in records, and then they'll spend a few um, a few days down in dispatch, kind of seeing what dispatch does. Mm -hmm. And it's a, a nice sort of tour around. You'll spend time with detectives. Um, Galloway's my lieutenant now, but I, he was a detective back when I was in, uh, and so I spent a day with him, and I got to see kind of what the detectives did. So. Um, it was it was very very good, and that was a major reason why I chose LPD. Okay, and he he referenced Lieutenant Galloway, who's back on nights. Is he doing all right? Yeah, he's. I think he's uh, he's adjusting. So he's, he's adjusting. He's, he's super energetic. He's a big cheerleader for our shift, and so uh, we're really happy to have him. So good, good. He is missed on the podcast. Just in uh -huh. case he's listening, okay, you are missed, uh, but you got to move on. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> so uh, cool. Well, so obviously now we know why you guys picked LPD. You did your homework uh, and found that this was the agency for you. So tell us a little bit about. Um, let's not tell the secrets of the hiring process. Let's kind of skip that and go to the first year of training. So the first year of training. Uh, we'll start with Zach. What was your experience going through that first year of training? Um, just, just kind of walk us through it, how you felt. So I really didn't know what to expect when I got hired here. I didn't know, like, our first day of training if it was going to be, like, the police academy. So I actually got hired with two people that already had shaved heads. So I shaved my head because I thought that's what we had to do. <laughs> that's what we had to do in Louisville. <laughs> and uh, I thought we were going to be in, like, front-leaning rest position and everything, like, our first day of training here. So. so is that how it was in Louisville? Yeah. You had to shave your head? Yeah. And like, so the whole academy had to have a shaved head. So now, I, when you got hired there, did you go straight to their academy? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And then you here. You spent any time in a, in a field training officer program before the Louisville Academy. Mm -hmm. That you spend six months there, and then you go to the, uh, like, the field training program. 
And so for us, for those listening, it just depends on when you get hired here. So ILEA, the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy, which is where most agencies send their officers for, for the academy training, it really just depends on when they start a new class. So like in my experience, when I got hired on, I spent five months just training with LPD. I was actually out on the road doing uh, with a field training officer for a couple months, and then I went to the academy. But in some officers' experience here, they'll get hired on, and they just get hired on at the right time, so they go straight to the academy. Then you have to get the academy done within a year to maintain your arrest powers. So you spent, you came on. And how long were you in the program before you went to our academy? And you had to go to the academy, right? Because you went from one state to another. So I just went to the academy and did the criminal law section and the traffic law. And then I went back and qualified on firearms. So I just had to go to the academy like that day when that academy class was doing uh, those things. And test out on those two areas. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. So I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. I just wanted to fill everybody in that's listening. But so you come in, you shaved your head. That's awesome. I did not know that. And you were expecting one thing. So you come in and and then kind of what happened? Uh, And then like, you know, it's uh, just like we have an itinerary of things we need to hit on, like in the in-house training. So I think we did like rules and procedure the first day and things like that. Okay. All right. What about you? Starting off. Similarly, I didn't. I was one of the guys that timed it perfectly where we did the – I didn't have any FTO before the academy. Um, We did all the in-house training first. Then I went off to the academy in March, I think, and uh, came back and started FTO as soon as I graduated the academy. So, So, yeah, yeah, I want to talk about that just a little bit because that that is kind of an interesting point. And for those that that may not know, I think, you know, there's different opinions on that as to whether it's beneficial – to be in that FTO program out on the street with an FTO for a period of time before you end up going to the academy. So do you wish you had had that? I don't think so. I know some of the guys that I went to the academy with had extensive street time, um, and so it was a lot of review for them. And so they'd they'd been through – if you're doing stops training, for example, it's where they they sort of practice traffic stops at the academy – I think they were a little restless with it because uh, they something they felt like they already knew, and so um, I don't I don't think it. I mean, it's never it's never a bad thing to have uh, duplication of training, but um, for me, I didn't I didn't feel like I missed out on anything before going to the academy. So I definitely think it depends on the individual because I know, like I said, I was on the street for a few months before I went and we would talk about stuff and I would be like, I was able to go, Oh, okay. I, I understand. Now I have some experience, some experience of what they're talking about. So I, I, but I see what you're saying going in and being like having the mindset of, Oh, I've already done this. I don't need to listen. That could be kind of, you know, maybe counterproductive, but uh, they do teach you everything. I mean, they teach you everything you need to know down there. Right. I mean, this, so what was your experience? Yeah. For the most part, right? They do. Uh, it's a good base to start from. Yeah. So since you obviously, I think, are the one that's been there the most recently, tell us at the academy kind of what you go through. So it's four months, right? You're there for four months? Fifteen weeks was was my experience. I'm not sure. I think they may have lengthened it a couple, couple weeks since then. Fifteen weeks. So how long are you there? All week? For ten of the weeks, we were there four days, and then – for the breakout weeks, we were there five days. So you, I would go down early Sunday night and uh, be there through Thursday evening 
drive home Thursday. Sleep there, eat there, yep. right? Sleep there as, as much as you can sleep at the academy with uh, different people, the very thin walls and three people packed in a room. But, um, yeah, it's quasi-structured, uh, like, I guess, a military boot camp. I don't have experience, but some of my roommates had experience at a military boot camp. If you're from the military, it, it's it's like summer camp, I guess, is what they, they said. It's not nearly as, uh, as difficult as a boot camp. But if you have no military experience, having those drill instructors there yelling at you – you know, pick on that everything from which hand you use to grab your uh, milk in the morning. You know, no, no talking at the at the table during meal times. Walking in formation, squaring every, corners, squaring corners every every everywhere. Um, Did so you ever it, have your bed tossed? Yeah, pretty much. Um, basically, if you if you missed a spot on the mirror, they would they would toss your bed, and you'd have to redo it during during lunch. But. Um, <laughs> After you, after the first time we got our our stuff tossed around, we we didn't do it. At least not in my room. There are some other guys that got tossed a couple times over the course of the fifteen weeks, but uh, my room got it together pretty quickly. So, and so each week is a different topic, right? Sure, they have a certain number of, of classes and you know, specific. You know, I know that y'all did a podcast on Stop the Bleed, and they covered that. It would be like a two-hour section on a Wednesday on you know week six of the academy, and then you'd take a break and you come back and it'd be you know, a different topic on you know whatever cultural awareness or they spend a lot of time on criminal law. Um, they have a lawyer there, and we basically go statute you know by statute through the criminal law book and traffic law similarly. Yeah, which I think is very, very helpful. I mean, obviously, that's what we deal with day in and day out. So from the Louisville Academy, and I know you weren't at ILEA very long, were there any major differences that you could tell, Zach? Uh, We didn't have to spend the night there, so it was just uh, like 8 to 5 or whatever time they decided. So at the end of the day, you get to go home. So I guess that would be pretty nice because it can't really mess with you 24-7. Yeah. Louisville, correct me if I'm wrong, they have their own internal academy, right? We had our own. So it's not through the state of Kentucky, the the police academy that you guys threw. It's actually through Louisville. Yep. It was uh, just all LMPD guys, so. They can kind of train you the way they want to be. They want you to be, and everything like that. Wait, wait! Isn't Kentucky a Commonwealth? <laughs> I stand corrected. I don't. I mean, they're a state too. I don't know. Is it what's, what's on their shield? I don't Commonwealth. Know. Is, Is it? it a Commonwealth? Yeah. There we go. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm, I'm from a state. Well, that so. makes two of us then. <laughs> we can Google it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So. Well, that, that's an interesting point, though, because so. Matt goes through the academy with officers from all over the state of Indiana, from all different agencies, smaller towns, larger cities, with the exception of like Indianapolis and I think Fort Wayne. But you're pretty much with Louisville, you were, it was all Louisville officers. Yeah, so I mean, they tell you exactly how they want you to write reports, exactly how they want you to do crash accidents and stuff. So that would be nice. So you're, think- get, you're getting your real world experience while you're at the academy, whereas Matt is taking things, uh, maybe concepts, and then you come to LPD and you actually have to apply those to this specific set of circumstances, right? So maybe Matt had a little bit more of a learning curve, right? Well, Zach did because you came from Kentucky to Lafayette. But no, yeah, yeah, I would agree because, you know, if you're going to Louisville's Academy, they're showing you, like you said, exactly what they want to do versus ILEA to where you go down. They show you basic concepts. Hey, this is – and then you go back to your agency, which is what we do, and we're like, okay, yes, we do that, but this is 
this is what we do as well, or this is what we do different, or maybe we don't do that at all. Uh, so there's definitely a learning curve once you come back. There's some things that, yes, we'll build on that. Hey, we don't do that. So, But, you know, that is an interesting point, and it's an interesting segue into a different topic. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, when you came back from the academy, Matt, you know, how many different things were there that you found that, you know what, this is different, and I've got to adjust how I was trained at the academy to what I'm doing here? Sure. I think they do it broadly enough at the academy that um, it's more tweaks than major changes, I guess. So, I mean, the traffic stop basics are essentially the same. Uh, there, are, there are some differences here and there, but even even amongst FTOs, there are different preferences. When I switched from Ian to my second phase FTO, they have different styles of something they feel comfortable about, and they have different perspectives on what is you know better or safer or um, f for whatever has worked for them over the course of their experience so it's not even it's you kind of have to take a little bit from every experience that you have be it at ILEA or um, you know what has worked for you what has worked for your FTOs and just kind of meld it together um, something that works makes you feel safe and comfortable and whatever else I think that's what's one of the neat things about our profession is that as a police officer, you know, we may come to the same conclusion, but we may take different paths sure. and how you get there. And you really truly become your own police officer. I mean, I'm sure Alan, he's constantly, we're constantly in his office for broken computers and whatnot. I mean, you can see the difference and we're just people, everybody's different, right? But the different ways that officers operate and their personalities and you can see it in just the way their pcs are set up what they feel is important to monitor what they don't care about some people want to know where the ambulances are and some people don't care i never even thought about that yeah so you, you look at that stuff i mean that stuff that when it's when it's open i didn't notice it at first but after five years you see like oh this is they care more about the location than they do uh the type of call or something so they may want to know what area is hot versus what area is not interesting interesting some people want to know what our other agencies are doing so we can we're multi-jurisdictional so you can see what purdue and west lafayette are doing in the sheriffs and some people don't care it sort of depends on time of day if if they want to know man we should get a psychologist in here and really break it down the way we think and whatnot no Patty? I, I think that's great. What are you going to do with that information, Ian? Uh, just interesting <laughs> to me. Oh, okay. It's interesting. I All think right. it'd be interesting for most people, right? <laughs> sure. And, I mean, that's another benefit of the academy is I went to um, the academy with some guys that work at the sheriff's department and some guys that work at Purdue. So I do have uh, the sheriff and Purdue guys on, on my computer, and I'll watch. I'll see, you know, hey, what are, what are my, you know, I don't see what everybody's doing, but specifically hey, what are my buddies doing that I went to the academy with? Because you go 15 weeks uh, sitting behind each other, sitting next to each other, and, you know, those bonds develop, so you kind of keep an eye on, uh, watch their six, kind of see what they're doing uh, too. And that, that's another thing about our job is that you do have these opportunities, I, I feel, to where you can make those stronger bonds and relationships because you go through this, you know, sometimes rigorous training and or training that you're sitting there for a long time to where a lot of jobs you don't really have that, right? I mean, you kind of just get thrown in the mix and maybe you never talk to one of your coworkers because they're in a different department or whatever. But right. we kind of get these weird opportunities to 
form stronger relationships? Is that? I think so. And that's, that's another correlation with the, you know, the whole paramilitary thing. You go in with a group of people and you experience the same thing and you create those bonds that carry you through your career with that agency. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So moving forward, uh, so you get done with the academy, you come back, and then you get into our field training officer program. So that's, what, four or five months long or phases? I know we call it phases, right? Is it four or five? Depends. Hey, it six. does depend. Depends. That obviously they, stay, they stay in each thing until they pass it. You're right. Absolutely. On average, but five phases, right? Is that right? I think we actually have six phases in that FTO program. Man, that's good, though, right? I, that's what I love about our agency is that a lot of training, a lot of training. I mean, and this is something that I'll let you guys talk about, but to me, when I went through the training – like I felt okay. I'm ready to. I'm ready to be on my own. You know, I, I didn't. It didn't come to a point to where like, okay, yeah, you're on your own. And I was like, oh no, I'm not ready. I mean, I had enough training to where I was like, okay, uh, I feel good. I'm ready to. Is that fair? <laughs> that's that's how I felt. Anyways, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's fair. But I also think there's still, you know, for this profession, there's a significant amount of apprehension when you get in that car by yourself for the first time and there's no one else with you. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah. So tell, tell us about that. So you go through the, both of you, you go through the FTO program, uh, good experiences with FTOs, right? You have four or five different field training officers. See, I feel like I'm put on the spot since one of them sitting in the room looking at me right now. So it's fair. <laughs> Whatever you got to say, I, I'm, I'm was, good with it. it a good hey, I, I got you, Matt. You're, all right. You're good. <laughs> it, No, it was a good experience for me. And, uh, like you said, training takes a while. It was I was pretty much released almost a year to the date of my swear-in, so I was released in January, uh, about twentieth of this year, uh, which was which would have been my year. Um, so Did you feel ready? I felt ready, but I definitely felt that apprehension once. Uh, once I was, he's like, "Hey, grab your own car. You know, you're you're solo today." And I'm like, "Oh uh, wait, you know, uh, yeah." So, but do you remember wheels? what you did in that first day? Do you remember what you did that first day alone? I was like almost deathly sick that day so i didn't do a whole lot but um i did do a few traffic stuff stuff like that it just, you know it, it um it was good it was a good experience i and the the fun thing about working a shift with guys is uh very collaborative and hey if you got a question you can hit them up on the computer or make a quick phone call um and rely on sort of the experience of folks that have been doing it a little bit longer than you mm-hmm. so that's nobody's ever had any problems answering a question nobody's ever made me feel stupid for asking a question so it's uh that helps with some of the apprehension for sure because there are a lot of questions sure oh yeah right i mean i think i'll be asking questions for five or six you know seven eight years yeah absolutely what about you zach did you feel that the fto program appropriate amount of time i mean yeah uh i liked it i had two street phases and then uh like a uh, what a ghost phase or whatever when they just watch you and you're in your own car uh explain that to how, how we do that uh so basically when they think you're about ready to be uh released from the program uh you'll be in your own car uh you'll make your own calls for service um and then your ftl will just kind of monitor you and uh, make sure you're doing good and and he'll be in his own car correct okay yeah. he might not even show up to some of your calls and but he's like definitely that. listening or she yeah. definitely listening to what you're doing and there for support if needed but okay all right, so anyway, sorry. I just wanted to make sure people knew what a ghost phase was or 
solo phase. No, it was good, and I, I like how LPD kind of tailors it tailors it to each individual officer. So if they think an individual officer needs a little more time or a little less time, you know, it, they can tailor it uh, kind of like on the spot to that officer. Absolutely. And from being an FTO, we used to do like paper paper versions of um, our DOR, Daily Observation Report. And I'm not saying that, I mean, there was definitely things that you needed to hit, but now that we do, uh, we have software for it and it's all computerized and whatnot. Uh, there's like a laundry list of items that they have to complete, the officers have to complete, and it's very well documented. Not that it wasn't before, but I think it's even more efficient now. Um, and make sure that they hit all those. I mean, we try to take them to every single different type of call possible. Uh, so it, it's good. I think it is it is probably the best it's ever been. It provides so. a lot of immediate feedback, too. You, know, you do your DOR at the end of the day, and so you're able to, even if you work tomorrow, you know, you're able to look at where you can improve uh, for the next shift with, the, with your FTO. So it's it's nice in that regard. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to, to get the opinion from both of you on the relationship that you have with the FTO and the car. I mean, both of us, Ian and I, haven't been FTOs for quite a few years, but you know that that perspective from from you guys i think would be helpful for people to hear i mean anytime you spend that much time with another human in a car it's uh, there's a some degree of a bond that's formed so um i'm still real friendly i like to see and hall i don't see him that much cuz we're up at the training center and he's down here and i work nights and he's a daytime guy but um you know, I'll see I'll see my FTOs and it's kind of like you know, hey those are some of the people that I still ask questions to one of my uh, my phase four Clawson he's about to be my sergeant he just got promoted he's going to be my sergeant next year um, so um, but I I had good relationships with I'm pretty easy to get along with I think so um, that helps but the just the it's fun i mean ian would dance and sing you kind of break the monotony uh we uh we did i could sing just so uh, be clear you danced as well well i try to dance you can you kind of get you kind of get to know so uh, whenever there'd be a quiet moment in the car he'd always he'd always press me to he'd be like hey matt tell me a story and after two three four four weeks of that i'd run out of story so i just i learned that in order to prevent him from doing that i would turn the radio on and turn it up and distract him <laughs> that way and so those are the those are the little the fun things that you learn you know when you how to how to how to contend with not not only while you're learning and all the the just the the personal uh, habits and uh, perspectives of the folks that you're riding with and um, they're all approachable and you know when my designated FTO was off they would oftentimes put me with like another FTO and that was helpful in getting a variety of perspectives. Did you think that most FTOs have not all found that happy balance of although you know, trying to find the job enjoyable and, and creating a good learning environment. There's also times to where if you're messing up or sure. not getting something, I mean, they're they're there to make sure you know that and and lead you in the right direction so you so you grow and and learn. I mean, is that fair to say? Sure. Yeah, I got I got chewed on a few times, you know, by my FTOs, but I'm sure I think you did once or twice. One um, usually it was on the second time that I you know it's like they'll give you. A, benefit of the doubt the first time you mess up but the second time they'll chew on you and hey this is something that you're expected to know this is something you need to know um don't do it again kind of thing and it was a it was a good balance absolutely good um, there's uh, my my third phase fto he really big into case law and during the sort of the down times 
uh, he would be like, hey, did you know? And he would walk me through different case law and you know, specific set of circumstances on either a traffic stop or whatever else. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a good program. It's a, it's a lot of learning. It's very stressful. Um, but it's, like Zach said, it's, it's tailored, and that's, that's an appropriate, you know, to, I think, um, way to do it. So it's, I, I like the fact that, uh, you know, it's, it's created to show you the different ways, the different personalities, the different, you know, different ways of policing so you can become your police officer, the police officer that, you know, you are, because um, we're not all the same. And there isn't, although we need to all know the the laws and, and the way we operate, um, you don't necessarily have to police the same way. There's not a mold that you have to do, right? Um, sure, that's why I was attracted to this position. It's a, it's a, it's a way to um, exercise complex problem-solving critical thinking skills. And, you know, not every solution to a problem is necessarily an arrest. So we get to, that's the the dynamic fun part of policing is, you know, we're confronted with a problem and you have to immediately, you know, account for the factors contributing to the problem and sort of look for both a short-term and possibly long-term solution to uh, whatever the problem may be. Good point. I, I have a question for our field training officers in the room. Do you feel that training new officers creates a special bond with them? Do you think that carries through? Oh, no question about it. Yeah, yeah I think that, uh, I mean, I was fortunate to do it for quite a few years, uh, and I'm sure Ian was as well. But, you know, you you, you see those officers later on through your career. Um, there's no question about the bonds. I think that, you know, as, you know, and kind of, I guess we might be going down a rabbit hole a little bit. I don't know. But, you know, striking that balance, like Matt said, between a, a structured environment and a learning environment where there's, um, there is some discipline involved and, and there's trust and, you know, that you, you're the, the recruit has to understand that you're not going to let them fail and your job is, is to teach them and, and help them grow as an officer. And when you see that on the back end, yeah, that's extremely rewarding. I mean, that's, uh, there's, there's just so many, uh, officers walking the halls these days that, that I've had a, a, you know, a small part of, you know, shaping who they are today as a police officer. It's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. It definitely, you you do have that bond, right? Because you do see them grow, and you it, you're, it's awesome to see them uh, just progress in their career. And uh, you know, I've always my dad always used to tell me that I'm one better than him. And so when I train and instruct, like I truly try to make my partners at least one better than me, uh, because I'm not always going to be here, and I want the department to grow and and to be the best that it can be so we can provide the best service possible. Um, you know, when you're in that car, you know, you, like, like Matt said, I mean, you have, you have no choice unless you're just a very, very standoffish person, which I don't think any of our FTOs are. You can't be, really. Uh, but to form that relationship, because adult learning is a completely different world too, right? I mean, I think you have to have that good learning environment, and you definitely have to be willing to get on them, though, if they keep making the same mistake or whatever. Let them know just because you don't want them to fail. You don't want them to get hurt. You don't want them, you know, that, that worst-case scenario. So it's not – it's nothing more than that. You want them to succeed. So it was very rewarding. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, we did have fun. And then there was times where there's definitely frustration – frustration too right and I think it was with me anyways it was more with me like 
you know, he's not getting this, not necessarily Matt, but what do I need to do differently, right? What do I need to do differently? Because I want them to get this. I want them to succeed in this area that they're not succeeding in in the moment. Uh, how do I change my approach? So it's also the FTO. It's 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 pretty taxing, right? Mentally, uh, you're, uh, you're you're right on the money there, and that's that's a huge part of it. If you can't do some self evaluation as a field train officer, uh, if you get to that point, then you need to stop doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah, because because that's you you know the first time I got into a car, there wasn't computers. So, you know, that's, that's a lot different than it is today. Right. I mean, the learning environment is completely different. You know, what you're, what you're faced with, um, as far as absorbing that information. I mean, now it's just, it's all right there. It's all right in front of you, uh, where it wasn't for the first time when I got into a car. So, you know, as you see things evolve over the years in policing and specifically in training and not just the generational change, well, we could spend an entire podcast talking about that. And uh, but but just from the learning perspective, from a field train officer standpoint, yeah, you've got to be able to adapt and you've got to be able to do some you'd be self-aware and then evaluate yourself on a regular basis because you're right, because it may be you and it's not the recruit that the reason that they're not getting it correct and and then at the end of the day they are your partners and they may be the ones backing you up or helping you know a citizen and you want to make sure that they are going to be able to do the job correctly so it, it was awesome i definitely miss it they when i got this community outreach i was told i can't be an fto anymore i was, I was pretty disappointed but i do try to help so we have field days right to where we'll go out uh, for 12 hours and we do scenarios and practice traffic stops and whatnot. And so I, I still am a part of that and active shooter training and firearms and whatnot. So I still get, I still get to help in, in ways like that, but getting in the car for 12 hours at a time, I don't get to do that anymore. So it is very much missed. Um, so moving forward, that's a great question, Patty. Well, thank you, Ian. I always appreciate you being here. I appreciate being here, Ian. I, I'm kind of curious as to what what was the most favorite part of the training process for both of you. Oh, good question. And then the most difficult, but the most interesting first. Start off with the easy one. The easy one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Zach, you're up. So, like, of the whole, like, in-house training and then the FTO process or yeah, just all, the, of the, all of it, the entire process? What was your favorite part? Um, I like field days. It's, I thought that was pretty fun, especially going through it again and everything like that. So, that was pretty neat. Yeah, it's two days long, field days, again, for people who don't know. And we, we put the officers uh, through scenarios, so domestics uh, or as simple as uh, loud noise complaint, right? And we just have them work through it and give them that little bit of experience before they actually go out on the road and deal with it in real life. So it is definitely a very, very good training for the officers and new recruits. What about you, Matt? I think the same is, you know, my first day of FTO was probably, you know, the sort of almost all building up to this, you know, and then, um, I was filled with apprehension, but excitement, and I was—I felt ready. I was ready to get out of the classroom because up to that point it had been, you know, six months of in-house training and academy. There's a lot of classroom stuff at the academy, so um, field days is definitely interesting and fun. You know, it's kind of a live choose-your-own-adventure. The mm-hmm. uh, role players will adapt their uh, role playing based on you know, your your tact that you take as a as an officer, and so that's that's. It's and exciting. the role players are always the officers, and 
so we'll you know so they they know you know what's worked and what how you know what a real life response would be based on uh the approach of the the new young trainee so what's difficult what was the most difficult portion of the training for me, the most difficult was when I was on red days and I had to get up at like three thirty in the morning to get ready to uh, <laughs> be here by at, five. Be at work at five. Um, so uh, that was that was the most difficult part. Part was just waking up. I uh, for me, I, I I really I'm really happy on night shift, but um, it was it's stressful. You know, like I said, when you when you have you have good days and bad days. The bad days are you know you feel like a, there's a culmination of you know you you messed up. A bunch of times or you know several times you sort of chew on that uh, ruminate on your mistakes for the day and uh, you get kind of down and it seems like an endless slog um that you know i'll never get out of fto and it's um but so there's some there's some bad days it's just the stressful you, you but you remember it and try to you know at least for me i try to incorporate the lessons of that day and uh not do it again so all right all right zach Definitely orientation. <laughs> I was waiting. I was wondering if either one of you were going to say that. So orientation. So yeah. So as an FTO, real quick, as an FTO, that was the biggest thing that I saw, especially if people weren't from around here, is they just didn't know where to go. And obviously, you can't help anybody if you don't know where you're going. Uh, the one I got to tell this. So I actually delivered pizzas before I became a police officer. And I never realized how much that would transfer over to police work because I knew the city like the back of my hand from (laughs) delivering pizzas. And so, you know, as a a, uh, recruit, if they don't know where they're going, they get very stressed out and then they're just kind of fried, you know, because I know some guys struggled with the map, looking at the map, um, or, you know, just they just couldn't figure out how to get that location. Well, by the time you get to where you need to go, they're just kind of mentally fried, right? Because they were just so frustrated with the orientation. So that was huge. So that was huge. So if you want to be a police officer in Lafayette or anywhere for that matter, study the roads. Go out and drive. Know your locations. Know spots, right? So what, what did you do to help you learn your orientation? Uh, actually, like some of the in-house training for, I believe, three or four days, we actually just drove around in a car and went to intersections or, you know, places that have a lot of calls for service and schools and stuff like that. But basically, all you can do is just look at a map and drive around on your own time is about the quickest way to learn the... Right. And that's that's even for Lafayette natives. I mean, there are places that you have your comfort zone, right? You know, you go between work and home and school or church or whatever, and you don't go out of that too much. And there are streets in Lafayette that I don't know exist. And there are streets I've heard of. I know I should know that, but it's just not coming to me. Yeah, you're right. And and we often see with new officers that those that are from the community have a more difficult time with orientation than those that move in from outside of the community because we operate based on landmarks and what we remember. You know, everybody knows 18th Street, South Street, Beck Lane, Brady. You know, you know how to get there, but do you know the 100 blocks and you know the streets in between? So, you know, we, we often see new officers from this community struggle with orientation, have to spend more time on it versus someone that moves in from the outside because they just they dive into it and right. they know they have to learn it. So they force themselves to learn the streets and the hunter blocks. Kind of kind of just weird that someone from the community would so often struggle with orientation in the learning process. Well, it's, it's what you learn when you learn to drive, right? 
You know, you know that intersection. You know how to get there. You have to kind of put it backwards, roll backwards to figure out how to get from A to B. Yep. Would you also throw on top of there, okay, hey, here's where I need to go, but I'm also trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I get to this this situation and so it's might be a little stressed it all stacks up so again if you can take out the element of getting stressed out to even know where you're going Mm -hmm. you know if you can learn that orientation then you can focus a little more on hey how am i going to handle this call when i get there uh so that's that's huge that's the probably one of the biggest things if not the biggest struggle uh, recruit officers had i'm glad you clarified that the you're orienting yourself to the city the map of the city not necessarily orientation where you show up for the first day of work and don't know which department exactly yes yes so i would really wanted to ask this question uh i'm curious to see your guys' answer so now that you are cops is it what you expect is policing what you expected it to be because i know it wasn't for me so I'm I'm just curious what your answer is that. Yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine uh, doing anything else. You know, and it's about the same as it was in Louisville. You know, working the beat down there, you responsible for a geographic area, and you deal with people's problems in that geographic area. So it's not much different. You know, little tweaks here and there, but. Mm-hmm. But even before, you know, like we joked about watching too many movies. You know, you had an idea of what policing was. And then now you are a police officer. Are they different, or is it what you expected it to be? Uh, it's probably about what I expected it to be. You know, okay. there's not any drastic changes. Um, I think people act different after they become police officers. You know, they always lock their cars because we always take a whole bunch of those reports and yeah. not put anything valuable in their cars. And you know, always sit with your back to the in a restaurant uh, to the corner, uh, little things like that. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's changed me too much. Okay, Matt. I had the benefit, like I said, of doing the internship, which kind of gave me a really good perspective on what the what the job would be, what to expect. Um, and a lot of it is kind of, I know you said this a lot, but policing is kind of a lot what you make it. So you can, you can do if, I know some guys on my shift have uh, a penchant for seeking out OWIs. For example, some guys focus on drug stuff, so that you can you can self initiate a lot of activity as a police officer, you know, as much as you want. Almost you can you can make it a decision to be either responsive or proactive, mm-hmm. and so that's the that's the benefit of this career choice is if you're a go getter, if you like to self initiate stuff, if you want to go out and get it, and you can either you can do that on on a shift. You can also specialize if you want to go SEU or something along those lines as well. So um, as far as the expectations, you know, it's the job is a lot you know, what you make it. There there are some very baseline expectations, like one traffic stop a night, you know, stuff along those lines. Respond to the calls in your beat, but above that is sort of your room to grow, your room to grow into the position. Yeah, I I know for me. It definitely wasn't what I expected. I was not – I had never even thought about the paperwork, having to write the detailed reports. You know, I thought, okay, we're going to – people are going to commit crimes and we're going to go find them, you know. Uh, but there's a lot more to it than that. And, uh, you know, I love it. And, you know, I've, I'm, I'm very proud to be a police officer. But it definitely, in my world, wasn't what I expected. What about you, LT? Did, well, I, I think to, to answer that question honestly, I think you also have to look at, 
you know, what each individual, what life experiences they bring when they're hired as a police officer. So for me, I was I was 34 years old when I was sworn in, and you know, kind of getting to uh, to a point that Matt made earlier. You were 29, right? Yes, sir. You know, and I, and I think that's a little bit different too. Um, I think in this profession, we have a tendency to hire young out of college or right out of the military. So, you know, not having some of those other life experiences outside of a very structured environment also shapes your opinion on what your expectations are. And then at the end, when you're done with that training process and you're out there as a police officer each day, um, I, you know, I don't, you know, I think there's an argument both ways and I'm definitely not looking to have a conversation about it now, but to answer your question, I think it just, it varies. Like, yeah, I agree. I was 21. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, you know, uh, just my my views and my mindset on things have changed quite a bit. And not just because of policing, but just because of you you grow and experience things. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, one last. Uh, well, I guess a couple more questions. This, this is a good talk. I'm enjoying this. Uh, has becoming a police officer and, and Zach touched on this. He said it hasn't. But. Matt, do you think it's changed your you in any way, being a police officer? Your thoughts, your feelings, uh, confidence, whatever. You as a person, has it changed any aspect of you, do you feel? Sure. I think the confidence thing is a, is a big thing. I, Being from the South, I've never had a whole lot of problems just striking up con- conversation with folks. But it definitely because you're forced into situations where you you have to talk to you know people you've never met before on an hourly basis you have you get more comfortable with you know yourself and just being aware of your situation um i think i've been told that it's sort of i project a, a more confident more um in control sort of aura but like Zach mentioned, just being more aware of your surroundings is one of the things that uh, that changes you just because that's part of your training is to watch hands and uh, see what's going on um, in the area and notice things that are out of uh, out of the norm. I'll be driving around off duty and I'll look and I'll be like, what's that? You know what's that car doing over there? And folks, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you're, you're not working right now. It's like I'm always working. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm always and so. Um, it's that's one of the things I think the biggest change is because it's like that persistent, constant, you know, awareness of what's going on, you know. And that's a whole different talk. The stress of always being alert, which we'll talk about later. But um, no, that's great. So you you don't think Zach in any way that it's it's changed you looking back on it? No, I don't think it's really changed my personality. You know, just little tweaks. You're always aware of stuff, and you notice little things like expired license plates and stuff but you you wouldn't notice if you're just you know oh, civilian yeah. driving around and things like that and, and you're better at playing hide and seek right because you learn <laughs> to look up right yes, right? yes. Maybe a little no bit, you're absolutely right? right maybe a little bit more uh, cynical uh, at times but i try to counteract that with you know the remembering that we deal with what five percent of the 95 percent of the problems are from five percent of the population or whatever the statistic is but, yeah yeah um so now do your does your family notice the difference in you I don't know. I'll have to ask them. We'll see. But, but they never commented on the change? Just, I mean, other than the confidence just and the little irritations like, hey, you know, stop looking around. Let's, let's uh, do you, you want to weigh you... in on this, Patty? Oh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. 
Really? Okay. You got to watch that cynicism. You, you really do. You have to remember that there's still good out there and you have to find it. And personally, I mean, my credo in life has been always to find the good in everything. And it's difficult to do that when you're on the street or, I mean, even if you move above and beyond patrol officer, if you're in another position, you're still dealing with crimes and criminals and problems in society and I just want everybody to to remember that there's good out there and to find it and, and celebrate it when you do find it. Mm-hmm. Alan, you've been quiet today. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to add? I've not had to do any of the FTO stuff. That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, but you you do have kind of a, a unique look at you, you know five years right mm-hmm. for you. So five years LPD uh, what, twelve with the city. 12 with the city. So you've had a chance to see younger officers when they're hired, mm-hmm. and then you've had a chance to see them a decade later and the change in, in, in their personality maybe to a certain degree or the confidence or their development. It, it seems like a lot of the new officers are just timid, and I, it's a new job. They're in a new place. They don't know anybody for the most part, and they now get to walk around with a bunch of extra accessories they didn't have to carry before. Yeah. And um, but seeing them grow though can you see the confidence can you see the training working and whatnot i mean i i, I can they you can see that they uh the first few weeks when they are getting coached up on their uniform and look for this and look out for that and even when they're in my office doing something else that uh, they uh you can see that as they've spent more time with their fto they're more confident they're more relaxed um they're not as nervous to be around everybody like the a puppy versus uh, a dog <laughs> they get socialized and then they get confident and you can let them out on their own yeah the transition's pretty cool to see so uh all right well this is my last question what do you like most about being a police officer whoever wants to take it first uh, I just like interacting with people. Uh, you're basically just a problem solver all day. Um, so you just interact with people, you solve their problems, or uh, that's about it. That's what I really like about the job. Matt? I agree. I, I like the opportunity to sort of engage with my problem-solving, uh, sort of critical thinking side. Um, I like to – I sort of have – a reputation on my shift for being a de-escalator. I like that challenge of taking somebody from, you know, screaming, yelling, you know, to a position where they're telling me basically what what went on in a calm voice and and things like that. So sometimes I'll approach it, you know, hey, somebody's made suicidal threats or homicidal threats, and you know, let's let's see where I can, you know, if I can exercise my uh, my abilities that way my talents that way and bring them down to a more reasonable level um so that's that's i'll approach that challenge and that's rewarding for me when it you know when it when i'm able to do that so absolutely that's what i like most so you got at least uh what 18 more years yes sir. gonna do 20 here yes sir. stay at lpd i'm very happy here good good glad to hear it. we it is a great great department well, I really appreciate you guys being here. I thought it was a great talk. We're a little over or at an hour. I'd like to revisit this in 10 years. Sure. Listen to this podcast and, and see if you feel the same way. I'll set my calendar reminder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being here and everybody have a great day. 
This has been Inside the Squad, a podcast from the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Inside the Squad is a community outreach podcast and is hosted by Specialist DNO Shields and Lieutenant Brian Phillips of the Crime Prevention Unit within the department. On today's show, our guests were Officers Matt Santer and Zach Johnson, two of our more recent hires within the department. We discussed their backgrounds, why they chose LPD, their training, and life as a police officer. Production assistance provided by the City of Lafayette IT Department. You can email show ideas or questions to us at podcast at lafayette.in.gov. Join us on Instagram, Twitter, Nixle, and Nextdoor. Thanks for listening. <laughs>